The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. This episode is brought to you by TweakedAudio.com. Get headphones, earbuds, and accessories from TweakedAudio.com. Just enter the discount code CAFCOMICS, that's all one word at the checkout. You'll get 33% off your entire order, free worldwide shipping, and a limited lifetime warranty on everything you buy. That's TweakedAudio.com. And now... It's time for Caffeinated Comics, a lively discussion and debate on comics, film, television, and collectibles, all fueled by the magic of Frappuccinos. And now, here's your hosts, John and Steven. Thank you, it's Caffeinated Comics. I'm your host, John Clark. With me, as always, is my co-host, Stephen Brown. And there, there was a bunch of things we didn't get to because we were talking about Joker last week, which, by the way, everyone is still talking about. Yeah, what are... Uh, it's doing... Um... It's doing pretty well. Beat like it's a like record breaking for records October. And, yeah, breaking records for October. Yeah. Breaking records for rated R. It's like I think it's like more successful than Deadpool. Oh wow, that's saying something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at some point we're gonna hit a tipping point. I think with like um, where the studios are gonna look at stuff like Deadpool, stuff like Joker, where it's a R-rated super movie, and they're just gonna be like, okay, let's do it, and they're just gonna start making them like crazy. Yeah, I'm fine with that as long as they're good. That's well, what... it's like I don't need to see like a Green Lantern rated R movie. You know what I mean? Right. It's like keep it. Um, if they can keep it sensible, it's fine. But I think it's like uh, sensible and people calling the shots in Hollywood <laughs> aren't <laughs> two I'm, things I'm, that go together. No. <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, it's all about how much profit can we make? Yeah, and squeeze, squeeze out of this. Well, the problem with pop culture companies and trend companies is that they're always like a step behind because it's always like oh, this thing is successful that we didn't think was going to be successful. Yeah. Everybody's into that. We got to make more of those. Because if you think of it like a product and not like a work of art or a story that needs to be told, which is how we always think of it, they're like, oh, people are buying that. Make more of that. But it's always like a step behind. Yeah. Like um, I've been buying too many guitars lately. And uh, I've been looking at different vintages of guitars. And they're always like... 10 years behind what kind of music they were used for. Oh. So, like downstairs, I have a 90s, uh, like a 1991 Marshall amp, like that big amp that's downstairs. And it was made for like 80s heavy metal. But then by the 90s, everybody stopped playing 80s heavy metal. Yeah. So then it was like, like it was too late. Yeah, yeah. Because development and production and shipping, they're like, they made this amp going like, well, everyone wants to sound like Poison. Right. <laughs> and then by the time it came out, Nirvana was out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so movies do the same thing. There's always yeah. going to be that one movie too That's ahead far. of the curve. Yeah. And there's always going to be a couple movies that are behind. Where right. It's like, it's that one sequel too many, which I always watch. Yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, the... The third one's terrible, <laughs> and I always watch it. Yeah, I do kind of wonder. It's, it's got to be like a hard line to walk or whatever, but I think it's something where it's like uh, there's a certain level of, I think, uh, misreading the tea leaves in this. You know what I mean? Because I think people be like, rated R superhero movies, that's the way to go. Deadpool, Logan, and Joker, all rated R, all did really great. Let's make rated R movies, not realizing Deadpool, Joker, Wolverine are all characters that lend themselves to rated R material. Right. It's like don't do it just to do it. It's like they're th- that's the problem. With Here comes those rated movies. R power pack. Right. They're gonna <laughs> you know for it's like for every one of those they're like we get a Venom you know yeah and it's always that let it ride philosophy was Venom R 
No, it wasn't R, remember. but it was a little bit darker, I think. They were yeah. pushing it, I think. Yeah, that movie's so weird. Yeah. I'm starting to like that movie more because it's oh, so weird. Don't say stuff like that. <laughs> That's so weird. Uh, I, I, I love a good weird movie where it's like we could have done the formula and we just didn't yeah and it's usually not that good yeah but i'm like it doesn't work yeah it's like i'm just fast i it's becoming a a subplot on this podcast i'm fascinated with like batman returns and iron man 3 and i'm yeah. like i'm like what were your reasoning yeah <laughs> why yeah you know what's cool about iron man let's take him out of the armor for half the movie <laughs> yeah he's almost 50 let's have him run around and jump like he's Tom yeah. Cruise. <laughs> Apparently after that after that movie Rob Downey Jr. was like, Yeah, no more action. Yeah. He's like, put put me in a CG suit. Yeah, I'll walk around and be snarky. Well he never took he never took his jacket off ever again after yeah. Iron Man 3. He's like, I'm not working out. Yeah. And I know how that feels because I've been meaning to work out for not, like a week now. Yeah. And I'm not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Someday. <laughs> yeah, so there you're right. There we are gonna go too far. But Joe but Joker's still in the zeitgeist. It's getting bigger too because I'm hearing from people that don't care about superhero movies. Yeah, that don't watch them. Um, actually, actually, I just read a post my friend Beer Babe Jess, who whose husband forced her to watch Infinity War, and she's just like, "Who are all these idiots running around?" Yeah, like, didn't know. You can't come into those movies. A thing that late. like she just posted about Joker. She's like, "Oh my god, this movie." Yeah. Um, and so it's it's reaching beyond like. People that are like, hey, I've seen everything with the Joker in it. Right. What's this Joker going to be? Yeah, I'd be curious. Uh, my Two of my friends don't watch any of the super movies. They've never read comic books. They're just like regular people. <laughs> and they... Uh, They're like cured. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they were asking me at breakfast last week. We were talking about the Joker movie. I think I'd just seen it like the day before. And... Um, they were like, is this have to like do anything? I'm like, no, this couldn't even because this could have been called, um, well, you know, circus man or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? It didn't have to. He didn't have to be called Joker. It's like uh, it didn't have to be set in Gotham City. It could have been New York. It's like it could have been Chicago. It's like right. it could have been its own well, we took, thing. We mentioned that last week is like they pretty much put stamped Joker on this movie. So right. it would make a lot more money. Yeah. Because when we left for Nate's, uh, my wife Renee asked me. Um, so how much of that was from the books? I'm like, nothing. I'm like, there's no Joker origin. I'm like, the only consistent thing in the comics about Joker's origin, they didn't do. Yeah. Which is, you know, he's, he's the Red Hood, Batman catches him, he falls in the vat of chemicals and comes out as a Joker. And do that Yeah, that's at the all. only consistent thing. Yeah. yeah. They didn't do it in Dark Knight either. Right. Jack Nicholson did it. Yeah. Threw him down. Right, right in that vat. And uh, Suicide Squad did it. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah, very briefly. Yeah, there was a trailer for Birds of Prey around Joker too, where it looks. Oh, like, yeah, and let's just go right back to Suicide Squad. Yeah, so Birds of Prey is a reboot. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Well, they're they're trying to have their cake and eat it too. This is the Harley where... Quinn and the Birds of Prey, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's oh, like it's Birds, Birds of, of Prey, Prey the and Emancipation of Harley Quinn. Yes, and like Margot that. Robbie is going to be in James Gunn's. Suicide, Suicide Squad. Squad as Harley. But that's a reboot. Yeah. I I think it's going to be like a... I don't think it's going to... Get gonna ready con- to get confused, people. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... I don't think James uh... Gunn's Suicide Squad is going to contradict anything that was in the first one. I don't think they're going to form the Suicide Squad in it, but I think it's not going to mention anything. I mean, Will Smith is not in James Gunn's Suicide Squad. Yeah, but everybody else is. 
Yeah. So yeah. if they're playing the same, if it's the same actor playing the same role, I'm kind of likely to think. I was just having this discussion with um, Scott Behrens, who's been on the show, uh, and he was saying how Daredevil should count as a Marvel movie. He's like, it has the same logo. It has the same look and feel. It doesn't contradict anything else. Daredevil, like, the Fox? The Ben Affleck, yeah. And I'm like, well, it was Fox, so it could be like an X-Men or a Fantastic Four movie. But there's, the, but then they rebooted Daredevil as a show. Right. And that sh- that movie is set like seven or eight years. That movie comes out like seven or eight years before Iron Man, doesn't it? Yeah, but it's after X-Men. And yeah, but- Spider-Man. It's after Spider-Man. Right, but I'm what I'm saying is like it's part of an older. That'd be like saying well, the Fantastic Four counts in the MCU. It's like no, it the Roger it, Corman. It doesn't at all. Yeah, it's like oh, it had the Marvel logo before. Yeah, because it's based on a Marvel character. Yeah, so if, if it's uh, the same actor playing the same role, I'm likely to think it's the same continuity, same continuity, and that's what the CW is doing. And I cannot. I do not have the time to invest in the CW. I gotta I'm, say though, the, I'm also not 24, the, so I, I can't identify with any of those the, characters. The CW show they're doing where it's like they're gonna have Brandon Ruth come in as Superman. Have yeah, they're seen doing Crisis the uh, photos and stuff. Yes, yeah, so he's bra- in like the Kingdom Come suit. Yes, and it looks exactly like the. Kingdom I know it Come makes suit. you want to watch it, but I I'm, yeah, it does. I'm constantly like. Well, I'm not going to get any of this. I'm not gonna, it's going to be like coming in Infinity War without seeing any yeah, other MCU on, on like movie. issue. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> Who are all these guys? Yeah, it's like, well, that's Spider Man, right? Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's riding a winged horse. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I don't even want to attempt that. But there's there's been some really cool castings where it's like um, they have like every Superman because Brandon Ruth. It, who was in the Brian Singer Superman is playing Kingdom Come. Um, they're getting Tom Welling back. Yeah. Um, t- Tom Welling and Erica Durant, who was Lois Lane on Smallville. Which is going to be from that continuity. Yeah. Uh, Burt Ward is in it as like the mayor. They're not going to make him Robin. Because oh. Burt Ward is like 400 pounds. Yeah. Uh, but apparently it came out this week in um, the... The universe with Burt Ward as the mayor, there's a newspaper that says Bruce Wayne to wed Selena Kyle, and it's a picture of Michael Keaton. Oh, wow. So they're not going to get Michael Keaton. Right, but, but they're going to get Michael Keaton. Yeah, and uh, there's going to be a Batman Beyond universe where Kevin Conroy plays old Bruce Wayne. And yeah, that's really that. cool. Yeah, so there, it is cool. I think I heard rumors that like Dean Cain was going to be somewhere in it. Um, I love, I love the idea. Yeah. But I feel like it's going to be eight episodes and it's going to be like the season finale of four seasons of five different shows. I watched um, the first Batwoman. Oh, yeah. Last that came week. Out. Yeah, that came out um, the same week as Joker and we didn't mention it. And it was good. Um, Ruby Rose is a really good Kathy Kane. The, uh, the story looks good. It's <laughs> the it opens with. Uh, clearly second unit in Chicago where they're like Gotham city and they're just going up whacker. Yeah. And it's like, they make the, the first shot of Batwoman is the merchandise mark. Wow. And I'm like, wow, dark Knight hit it better than yeah. this. It's like, it's just Chicago, but it's, it has the same premise as the birds of prey TV show, which was terrible of, uh, Oh, Batman left years ago and there's no Batman. So I'll have to be Batman. Yeah. And the problem with that birds of prey did this when they did that as a TV show in the early two thousands, it's like, yeah, I don't see any universe where Bruce Wayne's like, yeah, that's enough of this. <laughs> Fuck this city. Yeah. Unless he's dead. <laughs> right. And nobody wants dead Batman. Yeah. You know, people still have that problem with dark Knight rises. 
is right, that, is that he like leaves and he's like, I'm gonna go live in Paris and fake with my Cat death. Woman, yeah, and then it's wink at Alfred. <laughs> yeah, and he's also not that so man between stupid. Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises, which right. drove me crazy when that came out. I was like, wait, he did nothing. Nothing. He just grew a beard and sat at home and got old. Yeah. Like the rest of us. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to see that. I could live that, you know? Yeah. So I watched the first Batwoman and it was it was good, but it was like, it clearly felt like those other shows. And I'm like, all right, well, how long until I have to watch all the other shows to understand what this thing is? Oh, because it's, is it in the Arrowverse or whatever? It's gonna... Yeah. Yeah. And it's on the CW. Yeah. So it will and get in fact, roped into that. Nonsense. Arrow's ending. So Batwoman is taking its place. And honestly, um, we make fun of me all the time for watching all of Gotham. Yeah, uh, but Gotham never crossed over. No, it was easy to it was easy to watch. Sometimes it was very hard to watch. Yeah, but um, <laughs> some it was easy to watch in the background. Right, you don't have to while you were cleaning. You can your look head. up and be like, "Oh, Mister Freeze is here." I guess sure. Yeah, it would have been a good show for you to watch when you owned the store and you had mm. the big TV in there, but you didn't want to. No, I didn't. <laughs> but I didn't have to watch anything else, and it's like. When I loved Constantine when it was on NBC, and then he went over to Legends of Tomorrow, and I'm like, oh, I love that character, and I love that actor playing that character. And I'm like, but he's in like season three of the show, which has like a time traveling Justice League. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm not going to be able to understand this thing. Yeah, it's bad when um, a comic book fan who's used to holding together a lot of continuity can't understand the television shows then there's 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 many of them you know what i mean all these like cw shows in particular it's like we can watch 19 marvel movies and we get it it all makes sense for the most part well because we stayed right if we were watching every episode of every cw show we'd get it yeah there's always a tipping point once when something's successful and it's been around for a while um again talking about the marketing of something is like you're trying to reach, reach as big an audience as possible. And there's always a period, especially in something like a television show, which has a finite lifespan. You know, it's not, there's no show that's going to run 80 years, unless it's The Tonight Show. You know, Saturday Night Live is 45 years old, and right. that seems crazy. Yeah. I mean, The but, Simpsons always blows my mind. Yeah, that's Simpsons is like 30 years old. That's crazy. But nobody expects that to happen. You expect right. a show to be like five years, if it's successful. If it's not, it's two but there's always a there's always like a tipping point of it where it's like, all right, this is these are all the people we're gonna reach. Now it's about keeping the people we have. Yeah. And what usually happens is the storylines start to become more complex and start to pay off things, and it becomes this whole web. And that's what created binge watching. Like, oh, I have to watch every episode of the show as quick so as I can possible. understand everything. Yeah, so yeah. I can understand everything that's going on. Uh. And it's backfiring on old shows because I find that if I watch, if I binge watch anything made before the 90s, I'm like, I have so many continuity problems. I'm watching Cheers right now and uh, I'm in like the Kirstie Alley season. So I'm in like season seven of Cheers because they announced that all the NBC shows are going to leave Netflix. So Friends is leaving, um, Cheers is leaving, Frasier's leaving, Parks and Rec, 30 Rock is on Hulu, and they're all leaving because NBC is going to start their own fucking streaming service. Yep, <laughs> which I'm not going to sign up for. Nobody's going to sign up for it. No, they're getting the third season of AP Bio, which is a show I thought was okay. You know, the show with uh, Glenn Howerton from Moist Sunny and Pat Oswalt. It's a pretty good show, yeah. but I'm not going to 
pay money to watch that. Right. So I'm like, ah, I want to watch all the cheers before it's gone. And there, there's continuity errors all over the place because they didn't, they didn't really care if you watched the last episode. Right. So it's like, Woody starts, Woody's like crazy about this girl. And I'm like, you were dating another girl two episodes ago. And I don't know what happened to her. Yeah. And like, sometimes Norm's an accountant and sometimes he's a house painter and sometimes he's unemployed. And yeah. I'm like, it all just depends on like, Hey, what can we do this week? Which is, is weird. A weird thing. This is kind of an aside. A weird thing I noticed is, um, I'm paying like really close attention to Frasier because I know that there's a whole show about Frasier coming. Right. So anytime they mention something about his past or anytime oh, they mention something about his backstory, I'm like, yeah, what did they, what, what did they dismiss and what did they bring forward? There's a weird thing where there's an episode where, um, Diane meets Frasier's mother when like they're engaged and then and I'm like, wait, Frazier's mother is not on Frasier. Like, his dad lives with him on Frasier. That's the premise. And then just, like, three seasons later, he says, oh, yeah, my mother's dead. Like, he doesn't come in and announce it. It's just an aside. He's yeah. like, yeah, and everyone knows my mother's not, not around anymore. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, just they just written off. changed that. Yeah, there's no wedding episode of Frasier and Lilith, which is weird. Yeah. There's, like, a bachelor episode party for Frasier. And then, like, two episodes later, they're like, well, we're married now. I'm like that seems like a wasted opportunity. Yeah, it seems like they they never not do a wedding of the title character or even a major. character. Yeah, they did a, a big show. wedding episode for Carla when like she married Jay Thomas, who like really never even came back. It was it's it's weird because it's kind of like collecting back issues where oh they didn't know this was an this was going to be an important thing yeah. later on, but I do. Right, it's like rereading. Old comics, that's kind of a big thing, is kind of seeing, like, oh, you guys don't know what exactly, um, I don't know, what's a good example would be, like, Magneto's gonna be. It's yeah. like, you read early Magneto, and it's like, yeah, he's basically, like, a, a tie a girl up to a train track supervillain. Yeah. He's Doctor Doom. <laughs> he's Doctor Doom. And it's like, uh, it's not until they kind of figure out where this character's supposed to go that they kind of... Right, and they still do know. it today, because I was... I was reading the um, that last story of Fantastic Four with Doctor Doom and Galactus, which was really good, that Dan Slott story. And oh, right. I was talking to a friend of mine at work um, who who was reading the Bendis Iron Man. Ugh. And yeah, and he read all the infamous Doctor Doom and he's like, wait, what? Doctor Doom arrived? You arrive in Latveria and Dr. Doom's in the classic armor and he's ranting and raving on a balcony. And he's like, wait, so none of that Bendis run happened? No, it happened. It happened, but then he, he just, just went back care. to being Dr. Doom. Yeah, there's yeah, like, there's no mention of it. No, it didn't alter his character in any way. And um, Marvel used to be better about that. Yeah. You know, Marvel used to have asterisks all over the comics. Like, oh, this happened yeah, in I'm, uh, 233. I'm rereading Kurt Busiek's Avengers run and... Uh, there's a lot of issues where it's like three or four asterisks within a f one page. Uh, and it's within like, one panel. Right. And it's like, because the character's talking and it's Busiek and he's got to be like <laughs> pulling out all this stuff that I love. And it's like two or three asterisks. And I know that stuff because I've read this run before and I've read those comics. So mm -hmm. I know what they're talking about. But it's like, I didn't know that the first time I read this. I was like, oh, dude, something crazy happened with the vision in Avengers 230, whatever. That's a, and that's a really good point is... We're talking about how we can't watch the CW shows. This Crisis show looks really good. Yeah. I liked Batwoman, but I probably won't watch them because there's too much continuity. But we 
every kid who gets into comics knows that they're stepping into a train that's already moving. Like I my liked first, that as a kid, though. Yeah, um, it felt like there was a deep backstory because it was right. stories that were already published that you that you couldn't read. Like every issue of Spider Man and X Men I read talked about uh, Gwen Stacy dying and Jean Grey dying because Jean Grey hadn't come back yet. Yeah, and I was just like, it fascinated me. And there were no, tr- there were really no trade paperbacks back then. Yeah, I mean, I luckily grew up when trades were a thing and became a huge yeah you just had thing. to buy back issues right. at a convention it was just a matter of finding the stuff but yeah there was something really kind of charming about comics and it's one of the things is like the store owner i never understood would somebody come in and be like well how do i start reading comics i'm like no you just start it's like start reading what you think you'll like and then if you don't like it try something else it's like it's kind of how i just assume people would do it but a lot of people, there's such a hesitation to just jumping into that pool. Mm-hmm. and well, Which is why Marvel and DC keep rebooting their titles with new number ones. Right. Because they're like, oh, new fans, you can jump on this. Yes. And that's, comics do that swing, uh, as we were saying about TV, of like, let's keep the fans, keep the fans, keep the fans. New fans don't know what's going on. Okay, reboot. Right. And number one. And now they basically do it with every new creative team. Yeah, it's... Which is why Doctor Doom can be a totally different character for Brian Michael Bendis than he is for Dan Slott, who are two A-list writers that know each other. Yeah, and it's within, you know, six months of each other. Yeah. Did a totally different take on a character. Um, You know, yeah, it's... Yeah, and some of the stuff, it's like, it's a softer reboot than it's necessary. It's like, who are people paying attention to? No one's paying attention to Doctor Doom or what's going on in the Fantastic Four too much. And then if they, Doctor Doom changes six months and he's a completely different character, people are just going to be like, okay. Marvel wanna... this week just launched a Doctor Doom you ongoing. It? I didn't read it because I'm like, I don't know if it's going to connect to Dan Slott, which didn't connect to Bendis. I don't know that it isn't connecting to Dan Slott, but it was pretty awesome. Was I, it good? Yeah, I really I didn't liked re- it. I didn't know the writer. It was Salvador LaRocca drawing it. Yeah. And I like him... Uh, I he liked gets him. The job done. I liked him on Fractions Iron Man a lot. Yeah, and he used to, he's weird because in the nineties he was like an anime guy, and then yeah. he just went totally very different photo realistic. Yeah, yeah, it looks like there's he, like a ton of reference. He's like just a shade lighter than Greg Land. Yeah, I like think it's he's, a lot of reference. Yeah, I think he's swiping photos, not other artwork, because that's the yes. one of the problems I have with Greg Land. Besides the just blatant tracing, is so, he he swipes artwork from other creators. Yeah, because the weird thing about Fractions Iron Man run, which is I still think the best run anybody did of Iron Man. Yeah, I was talking about that the other day. I was like, that's actually uh, my my favorite run on Iron Man of yeah. all time. It's incredible. I brought my hardcover. Uh, Omnibus. On the cruise, right? On the Joko cruise, yeah, yeah. When Bill Monroe and I went on the Joko cruise a couple years ago, I brought that on the boat, took it to Mexico so he would sign that. Yeah. Uh, but, but La Rocca, it was all photo reference. And the weird thing was, like, Tony Stark was clearly based on Josh Holloway with Sawyer on Sawyer Lost. From, yeah, because Lost was a big deal at the time. Yeah, but it also started in 2008. I'm like, if you're going to swipe from a guy, why aren't you just doing Robert Downey Jr.? Because that movie right. just was, came out. Yeah, it's, well, and I wonder what it was, because, and, and it, thinking as, like, a person that draws, if he's swiping art, you only have one um... There's a lot more material with Sawyer than Robert Downey Jr. Unless you're looking at more than Iron Man. I mean, Robert Downey Jr. has made lots and lots of movies right. before that first Iron Man came in. It might have been a rights thing. 
it might have been it might have been like look, uh, yeah I know if you, if you draw Robert Downey Jr. you're drawing a movie tie-in. Yeah, the only thing I've heard of that that's like that is um we had met at the convention one of the conventions I don't know what year this was this was years ago though um there was an artist on Ghostbusters that was just phenomenal and he we just got to talking to him some I don't care about Ghostbusters too much but he was doing the comic and we got to talking with him because he was next to somebody else and um he was saying is that like he is artwork he was doing perfect likenesses of the ghostbusters but i was like but then he had the comic prints next to it and the likenesses were all off and he's like oh i can't he's like i have to redraw the faces all the time he'll get they'll come back and say this looks too much like bill murray you we can't Murray's gonna want to get paid right we you have to change it so they end up changing a lot of it so well look at the real ghostbusters animated series yeah those didn't look anything like any one of them so much so that when i was watching it as a kid i was very confused because i'm like these are the same guys right because they didn't look any they had the same names the ghostbusters yeah Yeah. and they were kind of doing the voices yeah kind of but they were weird because it was uh actually the light the the voice cast for that was crazy because it was uh, Lorenzo Music, who was Garfield, doing Bill Murray as Garfield. Who then played Garfield. Yes, because he passed away in the 90s, and then Bill Murray just did the voice of Garfield because yeah. it already kind of sounded like him. Uh, Frank Welker, who is everybody's Fred on Scooby-Doo. He was Megatron. He's done a million voices. was Dan Aykroyd. He didn't do him anything like Dan. Dan Aykroyd was like – the animated uh, Ray was like real – that and paunchy yeah and and then egon they gave him blonde hair howard ramus was maurice the marsh who was the brain yeah and uh morbo on futurama and then uh winston was arsenio hall so the guy who did the voice was more famous than, than the guy in the yeah. movie than ernie hudson and it's like you're telling me ernie hudson wouldn't have done that what was ernie hudson doing after yeah. ghostbusters he's waiting for a call on ghostbusters too <laughs> right and uh, J. Michael Straczynski wrote that show. Yeah. It's like yeah, one of his first wild. jobs. It's uh, That show's kind of crazy. They did a full DVD box set, but I don't see it streaming on anything. Yeah, I remember watching it as a kid, and I liked it just like anything else. We had a, I don't know, VHS of it or something. But um, yeah, I, I, I had pneumonia in high school, and I missed a whole month, and I watched real Ghostbusters every single day. Yeah. I watched everything because I was home. Right. I watched Silverhawks. Uh, yeah, it was all the late 80s. Everything was trying to be like He-Man. Yeah. And then like Thundercats was successful. Did so then everything see, um, was trying to be Thundercats, which was kind Centurions? of he uh, I think I did. I remember the toys. There were like three guys and like one guy turned into like airplane guy. One guy oh, turned and, into yeah, like and like stuff guy. like stuck to them. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. I love that show. The toys had like holes in them. Yeah. I was big in a mask because I was like still young enough for mask. Mask like. The guys put on the helmets and then their cars like transformed. Oh, I never saw that. They were like they were like transformers, but the cars stayed cars. Yeah, they weren't robots, and the guys driving them would like put on these masks that had powers. And they had uh, the main guy. I think his name was Matt Tracker. And when he he had a DeLorean, and when he put on his mask, the doors of the DeLorean would pop up. Yeah, and they could fly. That's dope. And I loved it because Back to the Future had just come out, and it was like the only DeLorean toy. Yeah. Had. We just got um uh a lead in at work. You know, we get emailed from time to time about stuff for come do this, can you do this, whatever. And uh one of the things we do is we rent out the studio space in Brookfield and a guy called the other day uh looking to 
put a car on like we have a big white psych stage so it's like an infinite looks like an infinite space because the where the ground meets the floor or when the where the ground meets the wall oh, it's curved. curved yes yeah and you could put cars on it. So this guy's like, yeah, I want to put a car on it. I'm like, okay, that's fine. We can put a car on the psych, but what kind of car is it? Because that'll depend on, you know, how big it is. He's like, well, it's a it DeLorean. In. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, you can, you can totally put a DeLorean on this thing. So uh, DeLoreans are notorious for breaking down. Yeah, well, they can't actually make the DeLoreans because they, they patented the door hatch yeah on the delorean so no one else could make that type of go in door which i don't know how you get out of any parking lot with those doors yeah i don't think you can you just unless we're mistaken at how wide they open up they might open up more high and then turn i've seen some replicas yeah. of the delorean there's uh there's one in universal studios and there's always those car guys at the big convention that bring like an adam west batmobile right and, uh, a Ghostbusters hearse, and I've seen those, and I think they open pretty wide. Yeah. But there's an episode of Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee where uh, Jerry brings a DeLorean for Patton Oswalt. Yeah. And it breaks down in the episode. Oh, really? There's like there's like a scene where they're just standing on the curb waiting for like AAA. Wow. So they're not reliable at That's all. That's crazy. And it's like it's Seinfeld owns it. If he doesn't have the I, money to keep it... Yeah, I don't know you what know? I don't know what cars he owns and what cars they just rent for oh. the shoot. But that one, I thought he was just a big car guy. He is a big car guy, but I don't know that every episode well? is in his personal collection. Yeah, could be. I mean, yeah, I mean Seinfeld. You know, yeah, it's like, it's, like Jay Leno. I think every one of those cars is in his yeah personal collection. Uh, but I also think that show's been running long enough where he's like, "Hey, I've never driven one of these before." And yeah, like, yeah, like, we'll get one for the day. Yeah, for a day. Yeah, that makes sense. Put Eddie Murphy in a Ferrari. Yeah. So, yes, but anyway, our uh, the thought was that idea about um, continuity is so much a it's as it draws in the people that are already in there. It keeps people in, yeah, but it keeps people it keeps new people out. Well, it does this weird shifting balancing act where with comics, it's like you have all the readers that are longtime readers, and then you do a reboot. And there's a shuffling of the continuity. And some of those all-time readers, they're just like, I'm done with this. We have right. people at the store constantly would drop everything. They'd cancel their subscription because DC did the New 52 or Marvel did Secret Wars or whatever. Yeah, I'm at a point now where I'm like, I think I'm done with paper comics. Does that mean I'm done with comics? Right. Because I've been reading more on Comixology than I've been reading the actual issues. For Marvel, Marvel uh, gives free digital editions uh, of every comic. Yeah. So, you know, you peel off that sticker and you put in the code and it opens in Comixology. So it's just adding to this cloud library. So I'm like, all right, well, how I've been reading them the last year or so is I'll get, it, say, an Amazing Spider-Man. I'll peel off the code. I'll put the code in Marvel.com. It'll put it in Comixology. The next morning I get up, I put a mini iPad in my bag and I read that Spider-Man digitally. Yeah. So the book, all I ever really do is peel the sticker off, put it in a bag and board put it in the box, walk away. Yeah. So uh, this is a natural point for me to go, yeah, I'm done with this. Yeah. Like, well, see, do, do thing, I need like to come back digitally every you're month? You're speaking about the collecting, right? You're saying, I don't want to get the hard copy anymore. I'm just going to get the digital and read all my comics digitally. But also, it's also about the collecting because now it's a great time for me to go, well, do I want to keep getting this? Who's the creative team on this? Has this been interesting me? Yeah. Should I stay? Like, I've been only collecting Batman and Spider-Man. I just dropped Dance Lots Fantastic Four, which was good, but it wasn't 
it wasn't uh, one of the best runs ever. It's not going anywhere. Yeah, and I'm like, it's $4 every month. It's like, is it worth $4 every month? Like, I can wait for a sale on a trade on Comixology, and I can catch up. So all I've been collecting is Batman and Spider-Man. And uh, what I really want to get down to is Batman and Amazing Spider-Man. So now that I'm reaching this end point, I'm like, well, do I quit Detective Comics? Well, who's on? Is there a good jump off point? Yeah. Like this week was like my last official week of paper comics going into a store, getting paper comics and detective ended on a cliffhanger. And I was like, fuck you. Yeah. (laughs) Obviously they, you guys align this. Yes. (laughs) And you put your publishing schedule around me and I'm like, well, does that mean I got to go and get the next issue to close this out? Yeah. But then it's also, okay, then I stop. The next issue comes out on comiXology. Do I pay full price for that? Or do I just walk away? Yeah. Like you said, wait for a sale. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, and it's so I, like, I'm only as loyal to comics as is like enjoyable. You know, it's like. Well, you follow creative teams more than you follow characters. Yeah. So it's, and I, it's I try easier for you to stuff. leave. Right. So I have no uh, compunctions about like dropping Batman when Tom King's done. I'm like, unless I hear it's phenomenal, uh, yeah. I won't come back. You know, it's. Whereas like, I have in my basement Batman from 1963 to today. So there's a voice in my head going. Oh, does it end at 2019? Right. Do you have a collection that stops at 2019? And my friend Joe Franzum, who refuses to come on the show, that's yeah. his credit on the yeah, show, by the way. His credit on the show is that he refuses uh, to be on the walked show. Walked into this room, saw the two microphones, went, I'm not doing that, yeah. and walked out. Because <laughs> he's amazing. Yeah, he's great. He had, his uh, Silver Age collection was down to like number five of uh, Sp- Amazing Spider-Man, like number three of X-Men. He only had Marvel. He didn't collect DC. But there was a period for like two years where he was buying the issues and not reading them. Yeah. And I'm like, why aren't you reading them? And he's like, nah, I don't like it anymore. I'm like, then why are you buying it? He's like, because I got them all. And then he sold everything. Yeah. So when he stopped buying new comics, he sold all his old comics. So I'm wondering, okay, is that when... Your fate. Yeah. When you, and I see this all the time with action figures. Um, a lot of guys, when an action figure line ends, they just sell everything. Yeah. And that I don't get because like Mattel is ending their DC license this year. And there's a bunch of guys that are selling everything. And I'm like, you're not going to get these again. Like, you know, you're not going to get a, an ultra humanite action figure. They did one 10 years ago. Yeah. I got them. Right. And I'm not going to see them again. So, like, you can, people quit everything and they're like, well, what's the new line? What's McFarlane going to do? McFarlane's not doing the ultra humanite. Yeah. It's never going to happen. No, he's not. It's not going to be that deep a bench. So. Just hang on to these guys when you can and hope they're compatible with whatever comes next. Yeah. But some guys are collecting to collect. And when a line when a line stops producing new items, that line is dead. Everything behind it is worthless to them. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I weird... don't get that with figures, but I kind of get it with comics. Yeah, it's a weird switch to see flip in people, like how they kind of everyone like approaches like collecting and stuff. Because it's, it's a bit of a sickness i'd say it's like there's something on a deeper psychological level when people are buying or have a hobby that's that's like this like collecting idea you know what i mean because it's like every time marvel comes out with like an omnibus i'm like do i need that and it's like right um i'm just trying to think of something i totally passed on like it'll be like werewolf by night i have no interest in werewolf by night but it's like for a second i'm always like yeah, but I could get that, right? It's They're putting it, it must be good. It must be worth reading. And I've bought uh, bigger books that I'm like, oh, this sucked. And I've gotten rid of them. And then other stuff I bought and I'm like, oh, this is pretty good. I might read this again. And it's like, I'll keep it. You know, it's yeah. just like, 
the idea that it's like I'll reread this or it fills in this like gap of like in a, like a library or something. Now, if they stopped making omnibuses, would you keep all your omnibuses? I I think so. I don't, I don't think that that's what I don't understand about the guys. It's like if a line ends, they just like get rid of everything. Like if they stop collecting omnibuses, it's like that that's fine. They're not publishing anymore, but I still have this massive chunk of like Marvel history that right. I'm still interested in revisiting at some point. Yeah. My hardcovers are what I consider my hall of fame. And I have like a wall behind us in the studio that has all my hardcovers. And I'm thinking now if I, the monthly comics, I have the monthly comics just because a lot of that stuff hasn't been reprinted. Yeah. Like, uh, uh both modern and silver age. I'm like, well, these issues of major Spider-Man aren't in any trade. And this whole run of Batman, which is one of my favorite runs, they only did the crossover. Or they only did this one issue. So I, I want to have a hard copy of that. But mostly the the storylines that are I think are really, really good, for the most part, are storylines that everyone thinks are really, really good. Yeah. So they put that on a hardcover, and that's the version I go back to. That's the version that I like seeing on my shelf. You know, that's what I want to take down and reference. But and yeah, and it is about filling in the history. Yeah, it's it's also there is a point where it's like I uh, I get really into something for a while and then I pull out and I don't care about it anymore. So a yeah. good example is um, when I started reading comics, Kyle Rayner just become Green Lantern. Okay. So and I know a lot of people are like oh fuck Kyle Rayner or whatever, but it's like those Ron Mars issues were phenomenal. Yeah, we've had Ron Mars on the show. Yeah. He talked a lot about this run. And basically from when Kyle Rayner first gets the ring, Hal Jordan goes becomes crazy, becomes parallax. Kyle gets the ring all the way through Green Lantern Rebirth that Jeff Johns does, where he brings Hal back. Kyle and Hal meet. It's the real Hal. He's back mm-hmm. to life. That's basically it's 10 years. as much as I care about Kyle Rayner. I don't care about anything they did about with Kyle Rayner after Rebirth. Right. And then after Rebirth, I'll read Green Lantern until basically Sinestro Core War. And then I'm like, this is good. Blackest Night became too much for me. I'm like, Sinestro Core War is like, that's a good ending for me. I kept going. I liked Blackest Night, but Blackest Night felt like the end of that series. Yeah. And so they put those out in Omnibus. Yeah. And I sold off all my issues and I got Volume 1, and which goes to Sinestro Core War. Volume 2 goes to Blackest Night. And I was like, this is all I want. This is in my Hall of Fame. This yeah. is what I'll read again. I don't need the single issues. And Volume 3 was like, you know, the White Lantern and Sinestro was Green Lantern. I'm like, I don't need that either. Yeah. That it I, just tapers off. Yeah. Um, and the the other thing is is um JSA is I I do I've never cared about the Justice Society and then Jeff Johns did the greatest fucking run he'll anyone will ever do on those characters. They did three omnibuses, I got them. And I don't think I'll ever part with those things. It's like I still it was such can't a finish fun that. run. Every now and then I go, oh, let's make some headway. And I read like five, six issues. And I'm like, this is pretty good. Yeah. And I, and I kind of fall off. And uh, Mike Bear did a lot of those issues. Mike Bear worked on some of my books. And I yeah. knew him really well. And I like him a lot. So I'm like, oh, look, he's doing really good work here. And I just always trail off after about eight or ten issues. I don't know what it is. I think it's the same problem I have with X-Men First Class which is a really good movie about characters I don't care about. Yeah, I think that's a bigger thing. It's like a difference is that like if it's not one of the characters you're uh, into, it, it it could be the best thing in the world. It's just right. it's not going to carry water. I will read bad Batman and Spider-Man right. and get some and thing, amount of joy out of it. And I cannot for the life of me read bad Batman or Spider-Man. It's like Can you read bit. bad Avengers? 
Uh, oh, yeah. There yeah. you go, because yeah, Avengers absolutely. is your favorite. But that's the one... But, but, no, I would actually say I can't read Bad Avengers, because... Um, I read New Adventures of the Bendis and I stuck with that till the end because it was like it was always kind of medium good. But it's like they've done a lot of reboots of Uncanny Avengers where it's like that book just got worse and worse and worse and I just mm-hmm. dropped it. Yeah. I never read um, New Avengers when Bendis left. They kept New Avengers around for Hickman, but after Hickman left, they kept New Avengers around and they were like, here's Sunspot and running AIM Island. And I'm like, no. <laughs> it's like I didn't read that. I didn't read uh, a lot of the younger Avengers stuff was terrible. Uh, that wasn't. Um, what's his name doing it? So yeah, I I will I won't read if it's if I'm not enjoying it I don't read it. it doesn't yeah, care what I like you know I love the Fantastic Four and I have loved the X Men and now I like it, but yeah. I won't. I'm I used to read bad Fantastic Four. I won't read it anymore. Right. Um, and I will not, not read worth it. Bad X Men because it's in incomprehensible. Yeah. When X Men's bad, I don't know what the fuck is going yeah, on. Yeah, X Men is very confusing. Uh is very easily very confusing. Luckily right now it's uh, I've I've never been as excited about X Men since like the last decade. I'm halfway through. I gotta catch up on the last few yeah. X Men issues, but it's still complicated. It's, it's just very dense and it's yeah. very complicated, but it's good. And I will say there's a there the two miniseries, House of X. X and Power of Ten both have just ended. Yes. And, and now we're going to launch like five or ones, six yeah. new books. And but I'm going to tr- doing two. He's of only them. doing two of them, but I'm going to try every one of those books because I'm like, let's, I'll give it a shot. You got me until you prove otherwise. I'm going to read it. And if it's not great, fine, I'll stop reading. But I, I'm into, I like trying new things and I like trying new directions. Mm-hmm. And what's, kind of interesting about x-men and i wonder if this was like hickman going to marvel and being like this is what i want to do if you want me to do this is um they gave him a clean slate yeah and spoiler alert for x-men well the job of the people before him yeah was to clean everything up but like not they only, did a big crossover just to get rid of everything they'd done so hickman had his cleanest slate. how as far in the x-men are you i'm on like issue three uh i'm on like issue four actually i read issue three of powers of 10 and house of x do you know what the last thing was? Mm, I know there's a major spoiler, and I don't want to know. Oh, yeah, no, maybe our listeners don't want to know. Yeah, that's fair enough. But it's like they 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 did a good job of just kind of like it's a soft reboot or whatever, and it's uh it's it's good. And you know what? If they want to make the cover for Excalibur, or whatever is coming out, is like Silex, uh, the new Captain Britain, mm-hmm. and it's on the cover or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, sure, let's try it. I'm all in for different weird stuff. Well, that's something we always forget about is we always judge the premise. We never judge the execution. Right. Because it's, um, I mean, this is something we talk about, but the first episode we ever did was about Superior Spider-Man. And we had Joe Pakovitz on, who's on a lot, and he was mad. He was mad. He was like, this is going to ruin Spider-Man. And now it's considered the best story of the last decade of Spider-Man because of the execution. The premise sounded terrible. The execution was It still sounds terrible. Yeah. And I've explained that to other people who were asking, oh, I want to read Spider-Man. What should I read? I'm like, oh, you got to read Spider-Man. And then they're like, okay, what happens? I'm like, well, the basic premise is like, Dr. Octopus puts his mind in Peter Parker's body and then puts Peter Parker's mind in his dr octopus's dying body and they're like fuck you like freaky friday <laughs> and i'm like yeah it's exactly like freaky friday but it would it did so good that they it's back they it's back they brought him back as spider-man yeah they like cloned him from the uh 
that whole clone From conspiracy a, yeah. crossover, which was good. Yeah, another story that like was good. It's like you think don't do clones, and then they do clones again. You're like that's pretty good. I mean, they're doing absolute carnage right now, yeah. which I don't. I have no interest in. But you know, I read issue one, and I'm reading this The Amazing Spider-Man times, and I'm like, this is pretty good. Maybe I should read issue two. Yeah, I read issue one of the Carnage book, and I wasn't a big fan, so I stopped. It really comes out of Venom more than it comes out of Spider-Man. Yeah, it's like, well, that's... It's paying off a lot of Venom plots, which yeah. I I read the first trade or two of that. I'm not. I'm nowhere up to speed. Yeah, there's this corner that that guy, I think Coates is the name, Danny Coates or Cates or something like this. Donnie Cates. Donnie Cates. Wow, you really switched those vowels around. Yeah. He's, Danny Coates is his FBI witness protection name. Yeah. <laughs> he's I'm um not dead. That's when they kill him off in the series, but then the actor wants to come back. Yeah, they bring him back. I'm not Don Donnie Cates. But he's I'm he's Danny writing Coates. this like corner of the Marvel universe that I'm just willfully not paying attention to. Because I think he's the guy that was doing like all the stuff with Thanos recently and mm -hmm. the Cosmic yeah. Ghost Rider character. And it's like all this stuff you hear is so good and it's everyone's raving about it and then all everything's you leaning towards about. that, yeah. Because it's like all this space crap with Venom is leading into this absolute carnage, which isn't going to end. There's going to be more stuff coming that he's setting up, and then all this space stuff is getting set up in Guardians, and it's like they're going to do another annihilation. Right. And I'm down to reading only Amazing Spider-Man, but it's three issues that tie in. Right. And, and I read the last three issues, and I'm like, wait, what is going on? Because yeah, I'm not Dan reading Carnage. And Danny Romero's a big fan of of, Don of Donny Cates's Venom. Yeah, and she she's loves a big Carnage. Yeah, she loves Carnage, and she's been a big fan of this run, so she was yeah. like, you gotta read it, you gotta read it, you gotta read it. And then one week, I was like, all right, I'll put it in, and it was pretty good. Mm. And then everything in Amazing Spider-Man, I'm like, oh yeah, they set this up in issue one. Yeah. I'm not telling you to read it, I'm... I'm more saying that, like, as a long-term Spider-Man fan, I feel like I have to. Right. Because it's this thing of, like, am I gonna be lost on continuity? And I know once these tie-ins end... Spider-Man's just going to switch back to his own story. Right. Did you read the... But there's, but the Spider-Man issues are still pushing the Spider-Man story along. So I can't drop out. Yeah, you have to pay attention. And come back, slow. yeah. Um, are you reading the J.J. Abrams Spider-Man book? No. That was like one issue came out? Yeah, it's like a six-issue series where they like... The premise is that they kill Mary Jane. I'm like, none of this counts. I'm out. Yeah, it's alternate. And it's uh, been very, very rarely that like TV and movie guys have come over to comics and done well. Yeah. There's Joss Whedon. There's J. Michael Straczynski. Um, please feel free to tweet me about other guys, but yeah. like most of them, uh, most of them are I feel like are like Kevin Smith, where they're just like. Uh, here's all my personal fan fiction that doesn't fit anything. Yeah. You know, like Alan Heinberg, like, eh, it's okay. It's like a lot. Um, David Lindelof has written some comics that are like, eh. John Carpenter is writing a Joker special this week. And I'm like, I don't think it's going to be great. Yeah. It reminds me like of Richard like, Donner wrote some Supermans. Um, it's like, it reminds me of like a ultimate fighting person is like, I'm going to be a professional wrestler now. Yeah. And it's like, you're, it's like, I understand it's similar physical activity, but it's like, it's, it's a different it's a, skill it's a, it's set. A different yeah. And it's the same thing with like comic writers is like, yeah, writing for TV is not uh, writing for comics. It's like, you're playing with a different set of tools here. You know, it's like, I understand you're writing still, but it's like, you're working different muscles. Yeah. There's more bad writers than there are good ones. Novelists have had a better time. Guys like Brad Milton and Greg Rucka, Right, because I think it's closer to comics are closer to a novel than to a TV show. Yeah, you know, um, yeah, it's it's 
yeah not everyone should be doing it i there was like a lot of outrage when he came over because they're like they shouldn't be giving spider-man to some guy that's not like a comic but writer. it's a limited series it, that's this is, saying, who cares it's a comic that wouldn't exist if he wasn't doing right it. it's not like they gave him amazing yes you know it's because and that's going back to how i feel about my continuity is if it's the flagship title of my two favorite characters, I'm going to read that. I'm not, sometimes I will quit the secondary titles. Sure. Sometimes I'll read the secondary titles, but Amazing Spider-Man and Batman, I'm here every, every month. Now, that's why I'm struggling with Detective because my detectives go back as far as Batman and Detective was Batman's first title. See, that's the problem with Detective is Whereas that Peter Parker and Friendly Neighborhood, those things... All came later. And they launch and get canceled and launch and get canceled. Yeah. Detective has been as steady as Batman since the 30s. Right. So it's like... Uh, it's a legacy book. That. It's a legacy. And that's why I love comics is the legacy. Uh, you know, seeing this character last for 50, 60 years and change for each audience, but still say, stay their core character. Yeah. That's why I stay in comics, I think, more than any other reason. Yeah, there's a respect to the continuity that's important. And I think this is why I've had such a hard time with DC lately is because the the major reboots and it's like, oh, none of this stuff happened. Okay. Um, with Marvel, that's why I'm, I stick with Marvel and I've come always been more of a Marvel guy is that like, you can kind of just trace the straight line. They've made a mess of their own continuity as it's gotten it, older and older. It, right. Yeah. But it, it, it is still a straight line from the first appearance of the human torch until last Wednesday's comics. And I like that as that right. it is this straight line. So it's like when they do books like the history of the Marvel universe, the Mark Wade series that he's doing now, it's like, um, it's, it, they can do a book like that where it's like, here's pretty much everything. And it even ties in like newer shit that they've got. The greatest thing in the world this week. Uh, I was going to talk about this the whole episode and then you told me you hadn't seen it. So, uh, oh yeah, I didn't I, do my, well, it wasn't homework, but it's no, but been. Netflix put out El Camino this weekend, which is the sequel to breaking bad. Uh, Renee and I watched it immediately. Like, uh, Ben went out with his friends and, uh, I pitched it to Sebastian. I was like, after dinner, you can watch your own movie. <laughs> It's like, I'll watch E.T. I'm like, great, go in this room. I'm closing the door. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, but, uh, so we watched the whole thing in one sitting and, um, it's a re- just a regular movie. It's a sequel. It's a movie. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, uh, it pays off a news story from like four months ago where, uh, AMC announced, oh, there's going to be new, no new episodes of Better Call Saul this year. And I love Better Call Saul. I, I consider Better Call Saul the Frasier of drama. Where it's, it's a different tone, but it's pretty much as good as Breaking Bad. Yeah. Uh, and I was looking forward to it. And I'm like, all right, they take a year off. And that's what shows do now. Like Always Sunny took a year off. And, you know, Doctor Who t- takes more years off than they have on these days. So you get used to it. But I went back and looked at those those news articles because I was like, is? I can't remember. Is Better Call Saul come back late in the year? And it's like, it's coming back 2020 due to talent issues. And so basically what happened was they decided not to do a season of Better Call Saul so they could make a Breaking Bad movie. Oh. So that's what they all did for this last year. So instead of 10 episodes of Better Call Saul this year, we get one two-hour Breaking Bad movie. And I'm totally okay with sure, that. Sure, because it's still in that universe. Yeah, and we're getting Better Call Saul issues in 2020. So yeah. it hasn't been canceled. And most of the, I re- 
agree with a lot of the reviews I read, and I'm not going to get into spoilers, but honestly, it's not very spoiler heavy. And that's the controversy people have been talking about is most of the reviews I read in like the Times and the Hollywood Porter and Variety, they all said it's really good, but it's not necessary. Yeah, and I, I remember thinking that when they were making it, was it's the same thing I feel about Better Call Saul's like, I you know Breaking Bad's great. I was obsessed with that show. I I didn't see any of it until it had finished, so I flew through those seasons. And I was like, I tried a couple episodes of Better Call Saul. And I'm like, eh, I don't care about where this guy was before Breaking Bad starts. See, Better Call Saul pulled me in with the cast even more. Yeah, where Breaking Bad, like I knew who Brian Cranston was because of Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah, and I really liked his episode of The X Files, which it, Vince Gilligan wrote. And decided, hey, I really like this guy. So when they were auditioning for Breaking Bad, he pushed for him. Yeah. Uh, but with Better Call Saul, I'm a huge Bob Odenkirk fan. Yeah, he's great. Um, I'm like like anyone who watched comedy in the 90s loved Mr. Show. I loved the Ben Stiller show. He wrote on Conan. He wrote on Saturday Night Live. Uh, he's a Naperville guy. Yeah. He comes back a lot and he'll do like talks and stuff. I've, um, some, And I love him as a writer. So I was like, oh. I love him and I like his character. So yeah, give him a show and I'll watch it. And then the rest of the cast is great. Like people that I've never seen before, like Rhea Seahorn who plays Kim Wexler is fantastic. Uh, Michael McKeon, who I'm a big fan of, is a huge part of of that show and he's great and Ed Bakley Jr.'s in it. There's all these old comedians in it. Joe DeRosa, who I used to do stand-up with, is in it. Uh... And so the cast kept me pulled in, and then as the story kept going, it's I just like it on its own. Yeah, even knowing where it's going to end. The but the thing is, is I don't know where any of the other characters are going to end up. Like, do they all die? Do they all abandon him? Are they still around? Like, uh, and then there's little glimpses each season of like where um, Jimmy is now. Jimmy, who's now Gene, who changed his name to Saul. Uh, like where he is in that whole kind of Robert Forrester witness protection program thing. Right. Um, so I find it compelling on in its own rights. Yeah. And people who complain about, oh, there's no new Breaking Bad. I'm like, why don't you better go Saul? There's four seasons. Right. But now there is more Breaking Bad. And all the reviews I've read have said, uh, have all said it's not necessary, which I agree with because if it had been necessary, the end of Breaking Bad would have been frustrating. You would, you would have ended that show going like, but what about this? And what about, what about, and it would have driven you crazy. Right. Whereas the end, the last episode of Breaking Bad is so perfect that you go, oh my God, this was the best you show ever. You don't need anything else. There's no loose ends. Yeah. So, so that's why I wouldn't say this is spoiler because it's just, it's just the next story of what happens to Jesse. Right. Like it opens with Jesse driving that car and screaming, which is how Breaking Bad ends. And then it's what happens to him the next day and the next day and the next day. Like, all right, he's gotten out of that. Right. But his like the end of Breaking Bad is like, oh, he drives off into the sunset and you realize, no, he wakes up the next day and he's still he wanted still by the life. Yeah. He's still wanted by the law. He's still got he's still got PS, PTSD from being locked in that concrete hole and chained to a meth lab and it's like how does he deal with that where does he go what does he do who does he see who does he remember there are characters from breaking bad who uh who are not 
mild spoilers, who are not alive at the end of Breaking Bad that show up in flashbacks. So you right. do see characters that wouldn't be around. Sure. Um, but the main thing about it is it's as well done as the show was. If you want more Breaking Bad, that's how you get it. Here it is. Yeah, I don't think and it's, it's a bad good. thing to have. It doesn't hurt to have it, which is good because it could have bombed. You know what I mean? Yeah. And maybe they shouldn't do any more. And Vince Gilligan like wrote. Running. Vince Gilligan wrote and directed it, and he's doing Better Call Saul, and he's still really talented, and he still works really hard. Yeah. So it's not like this reunion special victory lap, right? Of like, hey, remember how great Breaking Bad was? Well, here's Skinny Pete again. Yeah, I wonder how. It's, um, it still tells a story. Aren't. <laughs> Balthazar, if he liked it or not, you know what I mean? Oh he's yeah, like obsessed. Yeah, with well, Breaking Bad. When he was on, when our podcast became his podcast a couple weeks ago, that's all he wanted to talk about, and we did talk about. It. Are you gonna watch El Camino? Was like, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I, but it's definitely worth seeing if you're a fan of Breaking Bad and you finished it. I um, did, but I think at this point I'd have to like I'd have to probably go back and like rewatch Breaking Bad because it's like a, so much I don't remember. Well, it was like the Deadwood movie, which, uh, which came out earlier in the year, which was also great. Is that it does a really good job of reminding you of the plot points that you need for the sequel. Now, I watched all of Breaking Bad twice. Um, but the last time I watched it, eh, it was probably five years ago. Yeah. It did make me want to watch all of Breaking Bad again. Right. And I, yesterday I put on an episode with audio commentary because I'm like, I can't start this. I can't do 66 yeah. episodes. But can I watch one? And going back to the beginning of the show, the downside of the days of binge watching is I can't just watch an episode. I can watch an episode of The X-Files. I can watch an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and right. not feel like, gotta start at the beginning yeah. and go through these seven seasons. Uh, you can't do that with Breaking Bad. Yeah, that's that's why I'm always hesitant to uh, to restart a show. Like, I did it with Game of Thrones, but yeah. like I knew it was ending. Right. And I was able to get through it. And then with Breaking Bad, it's one of those, like, ugh. It's like, as soon as I start it, I'm committing to 60. Is that how many there yeah. are? 60? It's like, I'll be here for all these. And it's like, I don't have that kind of time. It's like, I'll, I'll abuse myself to get it done. I'll stay up till 3 in the morning. Yeah, well, the, what you, know? you can do with it, which I recommend, because uh, I've seen Breaking Bad twice, it's better when you rewatch it, because it's, it's just so goddamn good. Yeah. Uh, because you've already seen it, you don't have a deadline. So it's like, watch one a week. Yeah, but, but that's I, the thing. Is like mm-hmm. I'd love the, uh, the willpower to not be able to stop myself from wanting to watch. I'll just watch one more. I'll just yeah. watch one more. I'll just watch one more. Now it's 4 o'clock a.m. And I'm like, oh, fuck, I have to go to work in the morning. Yeah, I did feel like I, f- I did feel in the middle of it like, oh, I should have watched the last episode again. Or I should have watched the last season again. Or I should have watched all of it again. But it wasn't because I was lost or confused at any moment. Right, it was because you wanted to it. was because, it. oh man, that show's so good, I, I would yeah. enjoy watching it again. Uh, so I think I'm probably putting it on my list. And honestly, uh, iTunes put all of Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul on sale. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I only have season one of Better Call Saul. I'll, <laughs> Might as well get it all. I know I'll watch that again someday. Yeah. I'll get seasons two and three. They're like 10 bucks. Uh, but yeah, it's... it's you, just what you can just put on El Camino and be like, oh yeah, I remember where Jesse was. Right. And then you, this is, it kind of solves your problem where it's like, I'd love to watch more Breaking Bad, but I don't want to watch 66 episodes. Here's a two hour episode. You can just watch. Right. You can do this one. And if, and it does feel like a movie. It does not feel like a two hour episode. Yeah. They, you could tell they spent the amount of time they would have spent 10 better call Saul's to do this one Breaking Bad. Right. Like it's, it's a movie. Yeah. In fact, they had a premiere. 
in LA. Mark Maron was saying on his podcast that he went to the premiere and the whole cast was there. That's cool. Including people from Breaking Bad that are not in El Camino. Right. Because it was just kind of a reunion for yeah, everybody to be there. Yeah, it's a party for them. So, yeah, highly recommended. Okay, I'll have to check it out. Uh, I started reading on, we talked about this before, you're like, eh, it's not that great because he doesn't draw backgrounds, is John Byrne's Alpha Flight. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, I'm actually kind of liking it because it starts with their first appearance in X-Men. Yeah. Like a Vindicator attacking Wolverine in Canada. And, um, and then it has the the two-part issue where they fight they fight them on the airfield and yeah where the the, the storm gets out of control because yeah. shaman's a lunatic and uh so then going back and like seeing these characters like origins and that john byrne kind of like shepherd them through and i don't think you're incorrect is like yeah he's not putting in the work to this that he did to fantastic four because which he was drawing at the same, same time yeah um but it's cool it's like i'm only a couple issues in i skipped some of the they put it's kind of nice that omnibuses do that they put in more than you need to know. They're like, well then Sasquatch fought the Hulk and yeah. this episode of Marvel team up. And it's like, yeah, I'll skip this. I don't need to, <laughs> I don't need to see what the Hulk and can Canadian Hulk fought about. But, um, I do like the, uh, it's an interesting team dynamic that I hadn't seen before. The, the characters are all different. They're not just yeah. copycat characters. They're all kind of like they're and they're not characters. just archetypes, right? And they're not just archetypes. So it's like it's 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 new enough. And I I can't I don't think that John Byrne wasn't interested in doing this. I think he was like, no, these are like my characters. Well, he said he didn't want anybody else to do it. So, right. Uh, the story was they pitched it to him. They were like, hey, we're going to do an Alpha Flight series. You want to do it? And he was like, no, I want to do Fantastic Four. And Marvel said, well, we're going to do it anyway. And he's like, those are my characters. I don't want to give them away. Yeah. So it was somewhere in the middle. Really. Right. Where, yeah, I think it's, he probably didn't want to leave Fantastic Four. And then obviously doing two at the same time isn't, <laughs> I don't know how he did it. You know, it's like, I, I it's a mystery to me how anyone could yeah, do Yeah, that's kind of the last of the great burn. And then, right. And then Superman's good. Yeah, like a Superman. Um, and I think it's one of those uh, ones where it's like, I, I don't know that I'll reread it. I, I'm enjoying it going through it. It's characters I wouldn't have normally cared about. Um, but that idea of that, like, it, you know, I like the way they build teams in comics, uh, superhero teams in comics. It's like I'm a big team guy. And seeing just a different version of how that's done uh is always going to be interesting i think to me it's like why i like jsa why i like avengers why i like just league when it's good and alpha flight is another piece of that puzzle it's like i'm familiar with these guys they're basically canadian avengers and it's like how does that fit into the broader like marvel universe so it's like i will like i said if you're a big john byrne fan and you haven't read it you probably like it but i don't know that it's a recommended reading for everybody here's my question that hurts you yeah uh, do you want that Marvel no. Legends Amazon box set? No. <laughs> no, it's cool. Because I pre-ordered that well, thing. Well, that's the thing. It's like, you're my out for Marvel Legends because it's like, I could just come here and see them and be like, oh, cool, Alpha Flight. They look great. Here's Puck and Sasquatch. Uh, I don't like the characters enough to have the okay. the figures. It's like, it's enough for me to read the book and be like, okay, this is what Alpha Flight's about. Like, a big surprise. I had no idea. I thought Sasquatch was just like a hairy strong guy you know it changed no no i knew he changed because i had seen it he's like hulk strong he could throw like an airplane across an airfield and tug a, a a giant freight 
boat. You know what I mean? I'm like, he's like a hundred tons. I'm like, I had no clue Sasquatch was this strong. I thought he was just like a strong monkey type character. <laughs> you know, I thought this is a guy like Captain America could fight. Yeah. And it's like, no, no, this is Canadian Hulk. They weren't kidding around, you know? Yeah, it's an interesting book. I bought it when it first came out. I read it through and I ended up selling it. I was like, and I, might, I was uh, like, you, you know what? Know. Now I've read it. Yeah. It's, it's not X-Men. It's not Fantastic Four. It's not even Superman. I was like, I don't need everything burned. They also put out that omnibus of just like everything burned. Well, it was they, like burned so Marvel Universe. And I was like, they no. did do I they did uh volume one and they John Burns Marvel Universe. And it was, you know, I have a problem where I'm a bunch of Marvel team ups and yeah, Iron Fists. And, and I got it. And I read it and they're fine. But then they solicited volume two and I'm like, oh maybe I'll get that. And then I remembered finishing volume one. I'm like, nah. I'll <laughs> just I'll skip volume two. I don't need it. And I'll probably get rid of that volume one. I liked his Hulk point. run. He had a short Hulk run that was pretty good. Yeah. But I don't think it's worth buying an omnibus for six issues. But see, that's another one I... Uh, I'm going to have two real quick ones. I got another quick recommendation. Oh, it's Captain America. It's There's an a Instagram account, and it's called Voyage Through Marvel. And it's a guy that basically posts panels from different comics throughout the time. And I think he's moving chronologically through comics. Hmm. I think he's just kind of jumping around a bit. And I'm looking at all this old Hulk art that Sal Buscema did. And it's an Hulk's one of those characters I've never read before, like his own like monthly book consistently. And the Peter David omnibus is coming out, but I'm always like, oh, these Sal Buscema Hulks is like, there's good stuff in here. I Sal Buscema is very underrated. He is. His Peter Parker run is really good with uh, Jim Demetrius writing. Yes. Though, and in fact, there's a lot of petitions where Jim Demetrius signs it uh, of like, you need to put this stuff out at least in trade. This yeah. stuff is too good to forget about right and sal bashem is a really good storyteller yeah he's not I, john he's but. not john and i i think that's always why and i've read a bunch of sal stuff where he comes in and fills in on avengers or something else and i'm always like nah, it's not john Byrne, but it's like or john Bishema. um but it's like he's not bad though it's like he's good it's just like it's just he's not as good as these other titans that were running around at the same time yeah but you he's know? such a clean storyteller you oh yeah you slide through his books you know where everybody is you know the pacing you know how fast things are moving like he knows the language of of panel storytelling yeah even if his faces aren't as cool right well, if you want to tell us what you're into, uh, are you into Sal Bashema right now? Yeah. Let us know. He's done long, long runs on uh, Spider-Girl. And uh, as I said, Peter Parker, he's always around. Uh, let us know. There's ways to get in touch with us. I am at Not In My Book on uh, Instagram and Twitter. That is the official Caffeinated Comics, even though Stephen tells me we should start in at Caffeinated Comics, um, in which case I don't want to be the only one managing yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> I keep toying with doing an Instagram, but... Yeah, well, you do an Instagram and I will uh, help you post things. Yeah. Uh, but right now, that is the way to get in touch with me. Uh, the way to get in touch with the show is at Caffeinated Comics on Facebook, facebook.com slash Caffeinated Comics. That's where we post things like trailers and uh, and news. Robert Forster, who was in El Camino, passed away the day El Camino came out. Oh, Robert Forster's, yeah. um, I believe Robert Forster's done some voices on Justice League Unlimited, but he's a big part of Jackie Brown. He was in Space 1999. Always oh, a really, really good actor. And in fact, in El Camino, I'm like, Oh man, Robert Forrest is getting up there. And then he passed away that day. That's wild. Uh, so he just posted that. But that's where you can keep up with geek news that we'll probably talk about. And that's a good place to leave us a comment. And we usually answer it. We always read it. And Stephen, how do we follow you? And how do we listen to the uh, show? You can find me on Instagram at the Brave Butter Pecan. And I think that's it. 
and uh you could your instagram yeah but it's like maybe there's a number in there or something i don't know uh then you can find the the show wherever you find your podcasts uh itunes stitcher and spotify are the big ones and we will talk to you next week